Welcome to SlayerFest 98. I'm Agatha Harkness, a.k.a. Ian Carlos Crawford, and my co-host today is Agatha's Quiet Insides. Adam Sass. Hi, Adam. Hi. Episode 7. Yeah, this is yeah, definitely the Agatha episode. I was, I was thinking it was funny the other day how, like, when the, when the show began, um, and I remember, like, being on here being like, Agatha Harkness, okay, now who's that? And then now, like, <laughs> the entire internet is, like, quite keenly aware of who Agatha Harkness is. <laughs> Um, so joining us today, we have three amazing guests. Uh, first of all, is the timber of Monica Rambo's voice when she says, do it then. Justin Fraction. Hi, Justin. Hey. Hi, we're finally doing a Slayer Fest together. This is exciting. What's up? Yeah. Yay. Um, okay. Also with us is Agatha's glass of lawn wine. It's Philip Ellis. Hello, hello, hello. Philip. Oh my hello. God, so many faves here today. And then last but not least is the episode of Yo Gabba Gabba playing in the background. Neil McNeil. Neil. Neil, you're finally on my podcast. I finally am. It only it only took, you know, not having to work during a pandemic to be able to find some time. Glad you had me. (laughs) (laughs) It took a year into said pandemic. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, I think it was literally like around this time. Well, like last year at this time, Neil and I talked in person about him coming on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, it was around this time. Yeah, we were at I think was at your was it at your birthday party? Yeah. Yeah. It was um, your birthday party, and everybody was like, I don't know. What's your job doing about this COVID thing? I don't know. Nothing yet. I don't know. What do you think's going to happen? <laughs> we were so young. <laughs> it's definitely going to have that, like, uh, Billy Zane and Titanic, like, hindsight. going to be like, <laughs> no, it won't amount to, trust me, it won't amount to anything. <laughs> you fools. <laughs> uh, so here we are, talk about. Um, what I think was one of the gayest episodes of WandaVision. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the episode, we get a very, I know there's other things referencing it, but, or other things that are like influencing what's going on, but it's mostly modern family that we're doing for this bit. And I got to say, I didn't expect to have so much of the sitcom for this episode, since it felt like we kind of, they kind of like were done with doing that, but I liked that they're still committing to it, even though like, Wanda's depressed, you know, she's clearly losing control, mm-hmm. but we're still committing to a bit, which I really appreciate. <laughs> it was it was good timing to have everything kind of work out where, you know, we are doing this sort of, the whole sitcom world sort of deconstructs and fall away as, you know, we get into this, like, more, you know, we brought it in with Malcolm in the Middle, and then now we're here with Modern Family, and et cetera, and all this kind of talking to the camera, uh, bringing in a little reality show business. It was good to like see everyone like Wanda and Vision specifically like where their heads are at and all this like because we haven't actually gotten in with them we've only seen this sort of sitcom facade of them and the two of them just being like oh wait this is going on and acknowledging the situation was I think the perfect timing for that yeah yeah and so we get her she's laying in bed she's depressed she it's very much like the other episodes it would be like there would be a hint of Vision being like wait a minute what's going on but then it would go away. But this is more like, nope, Vision is done with whatever the fuck she's doing, and she knows that there are going to be consequences for what has happened. So she's kind of just like laying in bed. The kids come up to bother her, and she's like, mommy's not sleeping. She's just resting her eyes. Uh, Adam and I have talked about this. I do like the progression of her motherhood. Almost like when she's in the 60s sitcom, she's very like, you know, smiley mom, nothing's wrong. And as we get into like the nineties with the Malcolm in the middle stuff. She was very like, someone better be like dead or bleeding with all this noise. And here she's like, mommy's resting. 
um which like the 50s and 60s wanda would have never done right but yeah. like that fits with like the eras oh sure yeah. she is she is julie bowen in yeah. this episode yeah. <laughs> like uh, even like, like, like she she the, the way she's acting sort of late late in mm-hmm. the sort of later scenes she is like channeling that but also yeah it's very much the um like the sitcom uh paradigm has kind of moved beyond perfect housewife it's uh you know vibe and now it's like oh no no we, we understand that motherhood is hard work and so like she's just going to be really really harried the entire time <laughs> yeah it was it's a very modern sitcom thing to be like do to do the funny depression yeah yeah it's because it's, it's and it's and it's honestly definitely like i'm i'm very glad that you're we're introducing these queer characters with the with the funny depressed mom it's a it's very gay it's very relatable <laughs> it is it's just like oh she's having melted yeah. yeah she was mere seconds away from like oh, like picking a bottle of white wine out from under her bed to uh you know, <laughs> mommy drink wine all day and, and, and then like putting it on stenciling it on a little plaque and hanging it in her kitchen <laughs> i love that billy just comes in there and he's like M- my head feels weird it's really noisy and she just does not have the energy to even deal with him at the moment <laughs> not at all because she has the insight into what that means and she's still right. just like i yeah. just please leave <laughs> <laughs> uh and i love the reveal of like she pulls up the covers and she's still in her fucking like very silly out of place yeah and it's funny too because it's like you know because billy's like he's hearing voices not just of like like regular in people's heads he's hearing the like trapped masses like screaming to break free underneath as well (laughs) he's quite troubled (laughs) <laughs> so what you're saying is we're traumatizing a gay character before he even gets into his early teens. <laughs> what I'm saying is this is the perfect uh yeah, this is the perfect crucible for uh you know, creating what is sure to be a, a wonderful gay rep character who will be played by an actor I'm sure the entire community will love and not turn again. <laughs> so not Noah Centineo is what we're saying. I was gonna say, I was like, whoever plays him is absolutely fucked. Uh, I love that the twins say that their game is freaking out, and we get the little cutaway of their their game literally like turning from like NES to like Atari to just Uno, and the TV's on. Um, I I like the like bit of her losing control of her powers just to like add to like depressed mom depressed slash stressed mom she gets her confessional and i love that when she's like you know sometimes you unintentionally expand the hex you built and it's like she's delivering it in like a jokey way but we get the shot of like everyone screaming in terror as it like is expanding (laughs) yeah Yeah, i was expecting like an arrested development sort of ukulele Oh, we do get some great plinky plonky music later on i have to say <laughs> they did not disappoint in the music department obviously in this episode. so and so, she just gives a little like gotta be a case of the mondays am i right and i love her like she's totally phoning in delivering this like silly line and then like immediately she has this look on her face that we have seen before where it's like oh she's so upset she's so traumatized fuck and then it just cuts to the credits which are, Neil, you're a big happy endings person, aren't you? 
I squealed in my apartment at 12.30 because I don't know if you guys stayed up to watch it too and Disney Plus was down for 20 minutes, just constantly refreshing, refreshing, trying to make sure that I wasn't missing something. And it, I was so happy and I just like had to like pause and rewind because Happy Endings is like one of my favorite sitcoms. So it was just nice to see that little visual nod, even though people on the internet are like, oh my God, that Office inspired intro. And I was like... Have you seen The Office? That's not what the intro is. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I thought I was going insane because, I mean, again, Happy Endings is just one of the all-time great sitcoms. And that's what I instantly got from the title sequence. But then the fact that the show, like the episode itself, was all Modern Family and The Office Mm -hmm. and Rec and that that style, I was like, well, I mean, at least I got like a 10-second nod there was also um, one other failed ABC sitcom visual reference in that opening title sequence. Did anyone catch it? No. I'm just going to say better Don't off trust Ted. the beat okay. and apartment 23. <laughs> oh. oh, no. There's, Wait, a, there's a little apartment buzzer. There's a little apartment buzzer oh, that looks right. from the original intro. So many Easter eggs Wait. in this. I cannot. Wait, explain Featuring that. another iconic Marvel actress, Kristen Ritter. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, she's showing up. There's a singular shot of Wanda's name on an apartment call box, which looks exactly like the call box from the Don't Trust the Bee intro. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I didn't hear you over the day screaming. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a question about the title sequence, actually. Um, mm-hmm. Is this the first time the credits say created by Wanda Maximoff? I think so. It, mm-hmm. it feels like she has this urge to sort of narrativize things even when she's the one completely losing control which as a writer i understand it's, i think it's i think it's it's a little bit of that but it's also like that seems to be is that a is that a newer sitcom thing to like kind of throw the created by up there at the end of the title sequence that's true yeah. maybe mm-hmm. yeah it's a little bit kind of, yeah like like playing into the authorship of it all where it's like oh no like even sitcom creators can be these like amazing artists well what i didn't notice <laughs> calm down until... <laughs> <laughs> what I didn't notice until the internet pointed out was that, like, like Wanda is saying previously on WandaVision, more and more tired as the episodes go on. <laughs> and I flipped out. Has anybody seen this? No. I haven't I noticed know. Okay, so in the first few episodes, she's like, previously on WandaVision. And then, like, as it goes on, she like then this one was like, previously on WandaVision. <laughs> she's, like, getting more <laughs> not into this. Us doing these recaps, Adam. You have to know, like, just YouTube, and it's it's everywhere up there. Like, it's just like, yeah, she's like previously on Wandavision, previously on Wandavision. Next week, she'll be her crying. She's just gonna be a previously. She's just gonna, like, she's not even gonna finish the sentence. Previously on Agatha on Alone. You all watch the show. I don't need to say it. Like, uh, so we then cut to the new sword base that they've set up. This like whatever camp. The only thing important about this is that Hayward mentions the the one woman mentions that the broadcast has gone dark, it's dead air, and then Hayward says they launched today. So one assumes that I feel like these last few episodes will all take place like within a day or two of each other. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then we cut to Vision waking up where he was left at the circus. I do love anytime they do the like widescreen t- and like go out to. Full that screen, aspect ratio change, yeah. Yeah, we feel like a real film student. I'm like, I noticed it. Ooh. <laughs> oh, the screen's getting more modern. I I love the idea that the entire sword camp was turned into a like 
circus. It just that like brings me so much joy that she's like, these fucking clowns are going to be literal clowns. And she did the thing. And Darcy being an escape artist, that's got to be she knows what she's doing there. She's like, you're going to get out of this. Like, right. Everyone else is kind of this caricature of like what it means to be in this sort of three ring circus. And Darcy's like, no, I'm getting the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking, too. I was like, I feel like that was on purpose. I don't know. Yeah, and she was, and she was. I mean, I know she was probably only like under the spell for like a few minutes or like a few hours right. or whatever. But she did not have like the very traumatized wake up that everybody else has had. And she also knew going into the the hex what was awaiting her. So I think she was more mentally prepared for this. Yeah, yeah. Her and Vision are immediately like very fun to watch together. Oh yeah. And I mean that might just be like Darcy is fun to watch. So her paired with anyone, like you know, I loved her with Monica and Wu. Um, but I love her with Vision because I like the idea of this like Vision. Vision before was like super serious, and now he's super serious, but also like silly dad. And those two yeah. put together make him very yeah. charming to me. Like I've, I felt very eh about him before, even in the comics. I felt very whatever. Um, I think I more liked him because he was attached to Scarlet Witch. But in this, I feel like they've really done a good job of making me really like Vision as a character. It's funny because like Darcy is kind of like. Uh, and Kat Dennings really is really a, a like a spice that brings out the undernotes in a lot of actors. Yeah. Like it's just people just seem to get on their game uh, in scenes with her. Yeah. So Darcy immediately thinks that Vision is hitting on her because he's like, you, we locked eyes. We knew there was an understanding. And she's just like hard pass and walks away and he has to follow her. She breaks out of her chains really easily. I mean, if you want to talk about a classic sitcom miscommunication, there are a million other ways he could have phrased that. Like, yeah. It just yeah. it did set up for a very, very funny. She's like, no. Nope. And then like a few minutes later, she's like, fine, I'll go out with you. But I'm ordering the lobster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. That was like definitely something that like, Phil Dunphy would have said a modern yeah, family. Like, so yeah. I'm just like, I'm like, you didn't need to say it that way. <laughs> um, the twins, so we go, cut back to the house. The twins are talking about Uncle Pietro. Wanda tells them he isn't their uncle. Uh, she also has this very, like, breakdown, modern family type, like, parent moment where she's like, you think I know all the answers? I have all the answers. Well, I don't. And that's just it. Um, which I, I appreciate the, like, Wanda going through it like before it was more she would you knew she was going through it because she gave like a longing look and now it's like she's just explicitly saying I'm going through it I'm gonna sit down and watch TV all day don't look at me or talk to me which is relatable there's a knock at her door she uses her powers to open it because she knows it's Agnes she doesn't even need to look and Agnes offers to look after the kids for her for the day to give mommy some mom time and we get like a really good Catherine Hahn is just so good, which is something I will probably say eight hundred more times during this recording. <laughs> wait, hold, wait, hold on, the room is starting to spin. Catherine Hahn's good, good. She's a good. Okay, I love that she's like I don't bite, and then they cut away to her confessional saying. Uh, I actually did bite a kid once. <laughs> so the, the way the camera stays on her for just a second. Oh, yes. She said that. It's just so good. <laughs> yeah, because I know there's been like a lot of. I will say the the time I realized I was like, oh, I love this actor was when she was in Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it Gwen Bartlett? I, I can't remember. I think that was the name of the character. Yeah. I don't remember. Um, she was Paul but, Rudd's like political. Yeah. Uh, like analyst. Yeah. Advisor right. Or whatever. right. Um, and I do feel like weirdly 
Agatha slash Agnes is like a natural progression of that character. <laughs> she was very like chaotic, I, neutral, I guess, because she like didn't care, right? Like she was like, oh, I like you. Like she genuinely liked Leslie and Ben, but still like stabbed them in the back at every moment she could get just because to her it was like, this is the job we're doing. It's just politics. It's nothing personal, but I am going to destroy you. And if I don't, well, then great. Yeah. She has a very Emma Frost type vibe yeah her, where it's just mm. it seems like yes a great villainess but also like seems like she could very fluidly sort of lead the good team it's very like oh well if you're still alive when all this is over we should totally have lunch <laughs> <laughs> she will convince wanda that killing that dog was nothing personal <laughs> well wasn't even a real dog to begin with <laughs> What's a real dog? I can't even interrogate this too closely because I'll get upset. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, she leaves the house. I have a couple of comments. Uh, some things we missed. Yes. I want to take us back to uh, the strong man. Oh, the, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wearing the wow. S belt, which is very similar to one of the belts that uh, the super, I don't know what he is, a hero, a villain, century war. Anti-hero. Anti, okay. Yeah. That's the first thing I noticed that we... Uh, and also, Agnes coming in wearing her purple outfit, which is very similar to, I guess you could say, an updated version of what she would wear now versus what she usually wears with that, uh, with the brooch right. and the purple shawl and the stuff. And I thought that right. was a pretty good thing. She's getting closer. She's getting closer yeah. to her normally. She has that funny gag about having a mole, which was obviously typically Mark of a Witch in old mm-hmm. times. Um, right. And just, oh, sorry, sorry, just to go back even further, did anyone else like uh, physically flinch when Wanda talked about having a quarantine staycation? I saw that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was like, Don't say that word, no. <laughs> it, it was like, going all the way back to episode three. I was like, what did you just say? <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, I had. A, I was like, okay, we're gonna edit that out. <laughs> no. <laughs> so we cut to Monica and Wu. They find out Darcy did make it through the final firewall or whatever. So Wu was looking through Hayward's stuff, and he said that he kind of like puts the pieces together, right? That like he's like, oh, they were definitely trying to revive Wish. Revive vision, <laughs> but nothing worked. And I have a question for all of you. So they then they meet their contact that Monica said like eighty five times in the last two episodes. My contact without saying a name. Mm-hmm. Do we think that office that officer wasn't actually the contact? Right. I don't know. I feel like that was another fake out. In my I, opinion, I, I think there's there's a lot of misdirection here with this show, and I feel like they are intentionally leading us down certain paths that are ultimately not going to end up paying off in any way, but that's kind of half the fun of it. Um, Disney realizes that people are very, especially with the week to week release that people are going to be dissecting the show, you know, like through various podcasts and YouTube videos and media. So I do think there are some intentional misdirects here. And I think this is one of them. And I think honestly, like it's very possible that with, all of these TV shows being allowed to, they're, they're, and they're all going back to back and being allowed to get so like, I feel like this, I feel like I've never seen Marvel more Easter eggy than, than they have now. They've always been sort of like that, but I feel like this allows them like a full playground to just really go into like minute detail mm-hmm. on um, 
like uh, on these sorts of things. But I, f- I feel like even like if there are some lingering threads in this one that don't get paid off, I feel like we'll be in the middle of like Loki and then it'll just get paid off in, in a side scene or something like that. Well, yeah, it also feels like they're setting up kind of a bigger um, narrative here behind the scenes because this mm-hmm. is showing us that Monica does still have some pull within S.W.O.R.D., which means could she potentially take over if uh, Hayward were to leave at the end of the season? Is Monica going to be heading this up or is she going to be helping dictate what direction S.W.O.R.D. goes in next? Because people here do trust her still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, that's I, what I'm wondering because there's only two episodes left. I mean, they, they have to resolve a lot. Um, mm-hmm. and they'll probably just focus on the Wanda Agatha stuff and maybe not a hundred percent resolve the sword stuff, but maybe they will. I don't know. Well, especially if it's going to carry over into Loki and they bring in the time variance agency, it's kind mm-hmm. of, it's an interesting way to be like, okay, these organizations are going to play a much bigger part in the narrative moving forward. And it's not just shield. There are other, other forces at yeah. work, other people within these organizations that are going to be building out bigger roles. So maybe this character is going to pop up in another Marvel thing, which would be super cool. I mean, it's totally possible they could, you know, Captain Marvel 2 could follow the sword shenanigans yeah, um, and really be based in that in the way Captain America did the shield shenanigans. Well, so I will say one of the only things that I felt like the MCU like did kind of wrong was so early on have shield fall apart. Mm -hmm. I felt like it would have been a bigger impact if we had it felt like we, you know, we just established S.H.I.E.L.D., we got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and then literally that year, S.H.I.E.L.D. fell apart. So there, I felt like there wasn't enough of like, ooh, we know some of these characters that are corrupt. It was like, oh, that character was in, you know, had two lines in one movie, and now they're bad. Okay, sure, I don't yeah. care. I um, feel like that would have been an interesting thing to reveal towards the end of Civil War if it was just like, man, you can't trust anybody. Yes. And that was something um, where, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. was doing these Sokovia Accords to, like, control these heroes a little bit more. That's So that brings me to, like, my only, the only thing I'm a little bit worried about is I hope that it's Monica gets control of S.H.I.E.L.D. or uh, S.W.O.R.D. and then is able to, like, it's it does its thing. I don't want it to be another big agency where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, look, now it's all falling apart again because Hayward, the, like, head is corrupt. And, like, I get that that is a current theme in most things in government but for me for like storytelling aspect i'm like ugh, just like don't have them again then if we're gonna have another organization that's supposed to be this big thing and then they're like corrupt from the inside and blah blah like i for me i'm like we already did that yeah Let's, and we don't need any superhero narrative that kind of can be you know draw parallels between these loner heroes and the people who like you know storm a capital when they feel like it <laughs> I know, but it is a little bit just being like, oh yeah, we're now that he's out, we're going to have a good weapons company. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm ultimately going to shift away from the weapons of it all by the end of this too. I think Monica's going to be like, "Fuck you guys, we're not making weapons. We're protecting the world. Get the fuck out of here!" And then we're just gonna. It's done. There's no uh, secret organizations in Sword that are trying Ooh. to overthrow. Blah blah blah. Like Hayward's out. Good new regime. Let's get to it. Yeah, it's I'm I'm taking my husband through in the in, in the interim through um, the rest of the MCU movies. He's basically seen just only the a few big ones, and we were watching just the first Iron Man last night. And I would be, I'd be interested to see Monica take the path that um, at the beginning of of Iron Man, Tony sort of wanting to take his company, which was no weapons. We're gonna do good stuff, and then of course he immediately makes some big body weapon. But like I want to see like, someone who's got a little bit more of a moral center. Um, you know, like what they would do with such a pledge. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's yes. I, yeah. I co-signed that. 
we cut back to Darcy and Vision. Um, I think these two actors, like Modern Family, missed the chance to cast them because they mm. are perfect in the acting style. Like the, I think this stuff is the stuff that feels the most Modern Family, even though it's at a circus. But like their stuff and then their stuff in the truck, all feels very Modern Family, Arrested Development, Happy Endings to me. Um, and I think the two of them, their acting style really lends to that. Um, and I love that it's like Vision is in full Vision ridiculous, like red green robot outfit. But like no one's really batting an eye and everyone's just kind of like, sure, yeah, that guy's a clown. Oh, he's not the clown. Okay, well, he's driving this truck, whatever. Can we just spare a moment for my perhaps my favorite joke of this episode? Um, when he, to distract Darcy for a second, he goes, oh no, that mime's tray is getting too heavy. And she goes, oh, you're <laughs> <laughs> It is so stupid and so funny. <laughs> and I, I, I love her acting when he brings her out of it too. And she's like, oh, oh, hi self. And then she even says like, part of me wanted a secret guest role on the show, but that sucked. Like, I love that she's like, and then she gets to punch the arsehole who wouldn't bring her coffee. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's okay. no. <laughs> now, I have an interesting question here to pose. Yeah. Now, we know that Monica's being rewritten on a molecular level for passing through the hex. Does that apply to everyone who is now being brought into the hex from Wanda expanding it? Or is that just a Monica-specific thing? Is Darcy now developing some sort of powers? Like, I don't think she is, but there's an interesting way to look at this of like, oh, is this Hex accidentally causing people to become powered? Or was it just a one-time situation with Monica? I think with Monica, it ha- I, think, I don't think it was the first time it happened. I think it was right. a progression. She went okay. in and then back out, and now she's going in again. And other yeah. people just go in. Right. Except for the beekeeper, maybe. I don't know if we know what happened to him. No, he just <laughs> kind of vanished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely like a three coats of paint type thing. Okay. Well, because I even have the theory that when Monica bl- or Monica got blasted out of the episode in episode three, Wanda did something to her. And ca- her power caused mm. Monica to be rewritten. Because we do know that she can do that. Did Wanda somehow cause Monica to get her powers almost subconsciously? Is a lingering theory that i had because now we're not seeing anyone else developing powers by passing through the hex is it is it just well my feeling is that it's not going to be just everybody because not everybody could do what monica did like a lot of that was just like it was trying to just spit monica out like it, it was like rewriting yes some of her dna and maybe like with the townspeople you could start to see the beginnings of like mutation like if they have like you know, rewritten DNA and like, they have kids later or whatever, if that's like, mm-hmm. kind of the start mm-hmm. of a mutant thing. But really more, I think that big moment, that big like hero moment of like Monica fighting her way through that, that was sort of more like her, like her earning the power rather than like it just being like, oh yeah, it like kind of woogies your DNA. Like it was sort of like it did it, but then like that special extra kind of push she gave um, okay. is really kind of what activated everything. That was my read. Yeah. I think I think so. Also, in the van or the uh, ice cream truck, did you like Ian? You watched Agents of Shield a lot better than I did. Did you think about Project Tahiti whenever Darcy was playing with the little girl? <laughs> I, oh I yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. That was, was the first. It? It's a lovely place. It's a magical place. It's a magical place. Oh, oh, magic. I, 
I did read, there was like a, I mean, one of the like, so I will say, so one of our listeners did get mad because they thought I was dissing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I did watch it. I said that I didn't feel like Marvel watched it because I don't feel mm-hmm. like they care oh. about the show. But I, yeah. but I think that, I mean, there have been like a couple of cute nods to it, like with the Hydra soak ad that was like a, a nod to the agents of hydra arc and like alternate phil colson made like a uh, had a conspiracy theory about hydra literally putting like brainwashing agents in soap um but I was like that's just for us that's not going to be any kind of payoff <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. see because even that i feel like that's just a coincidence i feel like oh someone just made the same joke because I, yeah. I i would love for them to recognize shield i because one of the so I'm in a WandaVision Facebook group where everyone is going wild all the time. And um, one of the theories was like, what if the like the, like part of the contact is like, you know, Phil Coulson and he's like her contact. But like, I mean, he's not an aerospace engineer, but like that he could be one of the people that they bring in on my own. The only mm. reason I would remotely think that they could is because they seem very keen on bringing at least the Netflix characters back for like side roles. Mm-hmm. While Phil Coulson wasn't even like agent may was my favorite character on shield. It just bothers me that Phil Coulson, they think he's dead. And that just was never addressed that he has been alive for the last over many years. Like that little like point bothers me. Um, but then half those Avengers are dead that thought he was dead. So I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, I don't know. Mm. Uh, but I would love for them to be able to like breeze in and out. As like characters that come, maybe they become part of Sword or whatever, and they can like you know come in and out of stuff. Yeah, it definitely seems like they're putting Shield and Agent Carter in with the like um, Netflix stuff, where it's like, yes, it's canon in that like they're responding to things that have happened, and and yes, it's all that. But it seems to sit in that sort of uncomfortable between zone where Marvel is like, ooh, we maybe didn't have like a hundred percent dominion over this, and kind of do the way we wanted right. to be. Um, but so that was not, but yeah, to clarify, it's not me saying I didn't watch the show because I did watch the show. Um, oh my God, as if you would like this Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on this show. Um, but so we, what is it? Where, where the hell are we? Uh, oh, they, right. So she punches the guy, which I love that like Darcy really can't throw a punch. Like that's like me <laughs> trying to punch someone. She just kind of like moves her whole body. Uh, but it's the guy that was like rude to her. So we love we love closure. We love it. Do we think that was like a TV punch? Like it was like he hit the floor because it was a, a TV show part of the thing? Because it doesn't seem like that would have like if it happened in the like other episodes where they were outside right. of the hex, like if that would have laid him out that flat. Oh, yeah. No, that was a total like comedy, like one two right. punch bit. She went like for, she's like an uppercut. <laughs> I don't know. Like it, was, it felt very like God, she barely touched him. Yeah, because if you or I punched him like that, Adam, he would have just like looked at us and been like, what was that? <laughs> and the way he was like rolling around on the ground afterwards, it's like, oh, come on. She barely even touched you. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they get into the van and he's like, vision like shuts the door. And he's like, so sorry, can't hear you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we were booked by the agency. We've got, we've got double booked. I'm sorry. And it's just like, I, 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 I would love it. If we found out that basically they just said to uh, Paul Bettany, just like, oh, just ad lib something funny at this point. Right? And just say whatever the hell you want. Like... <laughs> He's so extra British uh, in that moment. <laughs> I mean, you are right, Adam. A lot of his bits do feel like bits they would have given Phil Dunphy. It's 100%. I mean, like, they were, and they've been, I mean, and he's been doing that. Like, some of his, like, best stuff throughout has been, like, um, 
like you know in the 70s part where he was like yeah you know like so she's about four months along and they do that like wonderful like nod shake head disagreement and then agreement yeah yeah he's been sort of goofy dad throughout history so i think yeah he's been definitely like really honing in on yeah and i i love that darcy had said she has answers but then immediately the things he asked her she does not have the answers to (laughs) he's like my kids and she's like that i don't know and he's like who's a fake pietro she's like also don't know (laughs) but like i don't know darcy I, I mean, of course I love Darcy. Darcy just, like, is the character that Ian loves. Like, that's like, ooh, we made a character for Ian to love in the show. <laughs> because I just, I love that she's, like, pretty confident and just, like, also, like, no, oh, I don't know that. But I know other things. But no, I don't know that either. And, like, isn't upset or whatever. Yeah. She's just like, yep, I know all the science about it. I don't know the other things. Confident crab. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which... Well, <laughs> take away the confidence, and that's the end right there. We get Wanda alone in her house. The house keeps shifting the like TV, and but so we get the weird bit of like everything shifting. But then she uses her powers to kind of put it back to like make it right. Um, which again, I still don't know that I. Well, we'll get there, but I don't know what that says about like what she's in control of and what she's not in control of because it's messing up, but she gets it back. I think it's kind of like a Schrodinger's cat situation where if she's not looking at it, it has the ability to change into what it could potentially be. But if she's looking at it and she has direct contact with it, she could change it back and kind of manipulate it. Uh, Her powers right now are being strained because of how big the hex is, so she can't exactly keep control of everything uh within her immediate periphery like she has to be focused now that was how i read it too like when i first watched it is uh that you know she exerted an enormous amount of power to expand the boundary of the town and now everything within it is sort of like stretched very very thin because even we saw on the outskirts of the town people weren't being controlled they were just kind of doing very basic movements because she couldn't she didn't have that sort of power to be like, okay, these people on the outskirts will be thinking this narrative. It was just kind of like, a, okay, they have to do this one task over and over again. Otherwise, they're going to break free. Mm-hmm. Mm. I also yeah. think the fact that things are getting more and more chaotic around her. There's that point where she's uh, talking to the camera at this point and uh, the voice replies back, do you think maybe this is what you deserve? I think right. all of this is sort of just, uh, she's losing it completely. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. But it almost feels like whoever's doing this to her, whether it be our Queen Agatha or some other malevolent being, they want her to lose control. They want her to break. I think they're trying to break her. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, And then we, so we do get, and it is Catherine Hahn's voice, which I did clock immediately. I was like, that's Catherine Hahn's voice when she's like, do you think you deserve what you deserve? I only clocked that the second time once we saw literally who is behind the camera. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then we cut to commercial. Neil, would you like to uh, explain this commercial? I would, but I would also like to go back to one quick thing that I think a lot of people might have missed. Uh, okay. The cereal that she's eating. Did anyone notice the name? Yes. Sugar the snaps. Sugar Snaps? Yeah. That's depressing. That is like, just like, like a constant <laughs> reminder. She's literally consuming the reminder of her uh, her grief and her tragedy. Oh Jesus! She was right that. there at the epicenter when the snap happened. So. She literally, she literally was. She she prevented it and then she didn't. Um, 
But this commercial is really interesting to me for a number of reasons, because it not only confirms, I mean, this show is going into the multiverse of it all, but in the comics, Wanda is a nexus being. And a nexus being, um, for those who don't know, is somebody who, within the context of the multiverse, they are a constant. They are the same throughout all multiverses. They are not, there's uh, there's no like million versions of Wanda out there. It's just the one version of Wanda. Um, each dimension has their own nexus being to kind of tether the reality of that uh, state, that that world is kind of focused on that one person and they are the anchor of reality. So if Wanda, like I said, is uh, being forced to lose control, if she's being forced to, to break down, that could collapse our entire reality because she is the focal point of it. And I don't think she realizes that. I don't think anyone realizes that at this point. I think we're on a journey with Wanda to discovering her powers. I mean, we've been with her for four to five movies now, knowing that she is one of the most powerful beings, but we don't really know what that means. Nobody really understands Wanda and what she can do, and I don't think it's until Doctor Strange and the Multiverse that we're actually going to tap into what it means in the grander scheme of things that she has all these powers connected to a stone that literally is uh, is one of the six infinity stones that controls minds uh, is is an important thing to note here. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, with with the introduction of the Nexus antidepressant, we are going into this world of okay, multiverse exists. Wanda can actually uh, be uh, uh, somebody who can either destroy, manipulate, or save the multiverse. How do we best use that? How do we exploit it? There's going to be a lot of people and a lot of factors coming into this that are going to be working against her. And she kind of has to, I think she has been fighting this entire time. I think she's been doing her best to maintain whatever semblance of sanity she has, because she knows somehow deep down that if she cracks, the world cracks. Yeah. I feel like, like also like, I mean, if indeed like, um, Dr. Strange and multiverse of madness does, I mean, obviously it's going to get into like her being this nexus being, I'm wondering like if, if the fact that like referring to, nexus as like an antidepressant is going to be like kind of a signal that like hey in doctor strange 2 that's going to be sort of like a medicated version of, of mm-hmm. wanda like this is like her like in uh the sort of un- unmedicated unregulated state but like it's going to be something where it's like maybe this nexus is sort of the key to her finding that sort of leveling out Yeah, once she's able to embrace this sort of uh, hold she has on reality, she's going to be able to get control of her own mental state and also her powers, hopefully, and not Mm -hmm. be the big bad that everyone seems to think. I've gotten in so many fights with people who are just like, oh, yeah, she's going to be the big villain. And I was like, Wanda is not a villain. She is an Avenger through and through. There's a reason when she came out of the heck, she was in her Avengers outfit. She is doing good. (laughs) She is a good person. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) I get so. Fights. I love it. I would love to see someone fighting back just as fiercely. No, she is a bit villain. <laughs> so uh, during the uh, the commercial this time around, I went full tinfoil hat on my second viewing, and I um, so the the name of this fictional drug is Nexalpromicide, and uh, I I I you know my my Latin is quite rusty, but uh, so Nexal I'm assuming means Nexus. Promo I googled means to reveal or bring onto stage, um, and side means death. So make of that what you will. Mm. 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 Oh. 
That's, that's the troubling. Films are watched. <laughs> uh, so I will say, uh, Neil, I you taught me something. I didn't realize I knew what the Nexus was. I didn't realize that she was a Nexus being. Yeah, there's um there's a couple of them throughout the Marvel universe, and she is you know often associated with our reality and the control she has over it. Uh, and it's what made her you know such a target for the Phoenix Force when it came back uh, in Avengers versus X Men. And it is starting to make me think, I mean, like, I don't think we're going full Phoenix Force in this show, but I think we are laying the groundwork for these sorts of cosmic entities to come into the into the picture, especially ones that want to alter, change, control, destroy reality. They're going to have to go through Wanda. Like, yeah. I get that Doctor Strange is the protector of our reality, but I think Wanda is the protector of all realities. Ooh, yeah. I like that. Theory. God, they they have to let an entire generation pass away before they do Phoenix again. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't have the strength. Um, no, we sure do there is I'm just like it would just be like, oh god, okay, we're just going to do this part. If you if you rewatch very closely, there was one uh, circus performer who was dressed Phoenix adjacent. I'll just say. Really? I don't know if that was a visual cue or you know a tease or something, but okay, just now, to put it out. Backing up to their other Nexus beings, like, is someone like the Sorcerer Supreme a Nexus being? No, no, because okay. there's different versions of Doctor Strange that can exist within the multiverse. Got it. Okay, so, like, different versions of um, the Ancient One and all that sort of thing. Like, someone, just, yeah. someone who has, like, it, that doesn't necessarily mean having an awareness of the multiverse. It just means you are not duplicatable. Right, right. Got it. Okay. Um, so, also, at the end of the commercial, I love the side effects of... Nexus are feeling feelings and possibly more depression. <laughs> feeling your feelings. Confronting your, yeah, that was, I mean, that is everyone's default state in 2020 and 2021, no? Yes. <laughs> also me, the side effects I get from every antidepressant I go on. Also, I really love the, like, filmmaking gag of her on the bed and then her walking yes. up and out. Like, it was just like, it was one of those things where I was like, oh, I love stuff like that. You love cinema. I love cinema. I love being aware of it. I love feeling smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to Agnes with the kids in the house. Which is the bewitched house, by the way. Oh. Yeah. The exterior, so I learned this on Twitter. Uh, the exterior of Agnes's house is the bewitched house. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. I learned that because uh, Brett White, who was on for our first episode, I read all of his recaps immediately after I watched the episode because he is a very uh, like wealth of knowledge of both TV and comic books. And yeah, his review mentioned that. And I was like, huh, huh. Then when I went back and watched it, I was like, nope, still don't recognize it, but I believe him because I know he knows his shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> I used to watch Bewitched as a kid, like on Nick at Night and stuff. But- Listen, don't question people's sitcom house knowledge. Like it, like it, it's one of those things, I mean, it just, you'll just know it in your gut. We get the Billy, I mean, we already mentioned it, but Billy tells Agnes she's quiet on the inside meaning he can't hear her thoughts. Upon rewatch, because now I've watched this episode three times, she does do it, like her reaction, because in my brain it was like, oh, she's like, she doesn't know what he's talking about. But even her reaction, if you're rewatching it with the knowledge of how the episode ends, it can be like, she's just like, hmm, can't like blow up my own spot, so I'm just not going to react to this. Um, And then just like, continues on. Go ahead, yeah. I was just gonna say, like, is she? I've only seen it the one time, but like, was she gagged? Like, was she like? Is this is this like legit? Like, surprising to her or? I 
Well, I have ahead. a question for everyone who um, may have rewatched the Halloween episodes, or not the Halloween, the 80s episode several times. Agatha seemed surprised when the kids suggested that she could bring the dog back from the dead. I don't think Agatha realizes the full extent of what's going on here with her powers hmm. or what Wanda's doing. I think she just knows that Wanda's doing something. I think I think Agatha isn't privy to the entire plan as it stands. She just knows, go in here and make Wanda chaotic, essentially. Oh, see, I no, I think something slightly different. I think everything Agatha has been doing as, as Agnes is to try and push Wanda to use her powers to kind of test and see how how powerful she is. So she killed the dog to see if one. Oh, yeah, I was gonna say like that's the because she's the yo magic shark, right? We're all kind of feeling that right now. Or is yeah, the well, now I am. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was I was I was I was a little let down that they didn't include. She was the yo magic shark all along in the in the. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to what I think at the end because we'll have a lot to <clears throat> speak on at the end. Um. So she, I liked the bit where, like, she's like, of course your mom's going to be fine. She's super mom. And she looks directly into the camera and does, like, one of those looks. And then they give, give her her cutaway to her confessional. And she's like, what am I supposed to tell? The 10-year-old that his mother is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs? I thought it was great when she's Ralph, it brings up Ralph again. Ralph yes. says she sugarcoats uh, things. Like, who is mm-hmm. Ralph? And also, why can't Billy get anything from her at all? That's what I was wondering. I was wondering if because she's, like... Because we kind of know, like, at least from the comic, she's kind of like an immortal, like, ancient witch. So, like, one, I was relating it to, <clears throat> of course, Buffy. And I was thinking, like, oh, like, in that world, they would probably consider her, like, a demon or undead. Right. So I was thinking of how when Buffy could read mine, she couldn't read angels. And, like, the aspect of the demon meant she could read, like, right. human minds, but not otherworldly beings' minds. Well- also, like, what did occur to me was, if this was Harry Potter, um, that, like, there is a great reference. It was like, there was a part of her. If it was that certain other witch thing, um, that would be someone who is, like, actively blocking mind reading mm-hmm. to conceal the, 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 the trickery that she's, she's up to. So I was trying to figure out her expression after he says it. I'm like, is she... She doesn't seem surprised per se. It's like, oh, she's getting too close. She looks genuinely (laughs) creeped out by these kids. Yeah. I feel like her game all along has been to try and get close to the kids, especially in the 80s episode. And then now that she has them in her house, she's like, oh, fuck, these kids are like, I'm out of my depth here. I think I think she was tasked with getting the kids, but I don't think she knows why. And I don't think she knows what the extent of them is. Well, I think like maybe she's even like changing the like the game on the fly because she's like because it seems to be kind of a one-two punch with her having these kids in her house and them being like suspicious as hell and then and then um monica landing powered up it's like all right need to move on to the next phase like sitcom's over (laughs) Yeah. Um, just one, one last thing about this scene. Uh, you're quiet on the inside is either a really nice thing to say to somebody or a really mean thing to say to somebody, and I can't decide. <laughs> because it's either saying like, oh, there's something really peaceful and serene about you, or it's like saying you're empty. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. It's ominous. Yeah. I think I described my ex as the nice one when we first started dating and then the mean one after we started dating. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but so I things I felt like things moved pretty fast. Like I already feel like oh we're like close to the end already. This episode blew by. Oh yeah, yeah, it really yeah. did. Like, really it ended. ended. Not appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, oh, give me more. Give me like ten minutes more, God. Yeah, I think um, I've seen so, way more like tweets about like how cruel the please stand by card is off of this episode <laughs> than really any other. Episode. Oh, I yeah. there's there's some sort of like um like poster or billboard in my neighborhood with please stand by advertising something else. But I looked at it the other day and I was so pissed off. I'm like, fuck you, <laughs> poster. <laughs> um, so we get. Monica is about to go through with this cruiser thingy that they built. Um, I know it's a comic book, but I feel like they built that really fast, right? <laughs> that cruiser. Well, let's read Richards. I'm just, I'm just saying this thing. <laughs> <laughs> the way it sort of like the camera lingered on it and the music swelled, I was like, oh, is this like a famous vehicle from the comics? It's nothing that I've noticed before. Um, I did notice the hexagonal shape on it, but that was about it. Yeah, okay. I thought the yeah, joke was it. that it looked like it was going to be important. It was going to work, but then it mm-hmm. didn't. So we've seen it in every trailer at this point. So we're like, yeah. "Oh man, this thing's going to be so cool!" And then it just like it turned into a minivan. I it. think the visuals are cool, though. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Like the way that it was like she was still trying to pl- power through it, but it was like kind of pushing up, and then when it flew backwards, and it was like half truck, half whatever the fuck the cruiser thing was. I thought that was like. It looked really cool. So we get the, we get like, I like that Wu and this other general are kind of like talking and Monica's just like, well, I know what I got to do. Like she's very, like her eyes are on the prize. She's not fucking around. Um, and uh, this scene made me cry. Of course it did. Uh, uh, I love <laughs> a like, I don't love an origin story, but I love a hero moment mm-hmm. where it's like, they really got to pick it up. And I think, Tiana Paris is such a good actor. Um, This whole cast is great. Um, But she really sells the like, and what she says later to Wanda, it's like, oh, she already lost like the most important person to her. So that's why even more, she's like fearless, quote unquote hero, where she's like, what do I have to lose by going through this again? Eh." I, you know, I think and you've, you've hit the nail on the head. It's like superhero. And I was saying before we were recording, like superhero origin movies at this point are kind of redundant. Uh, this scene gave us in, I want to say like a maximum of 30 seconds, everything we need to know about Monica as a person, as a character and like what kind of superhero she is going to be. The fact mm-hmm. that she gets her powers by forcing her way through this unbreakable barrier in order to try and reach and help somebody else who's in pain is like such a yeah. brilliant origin story. Mm-hmm. I was arguing with someone just, about, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, it was a really cool splash page moment. Like we haven't had one of those in WandaVision yet. Like I could picture like a two page spread of just this moment. Yes. Yeah. With the costumes and the different outfits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin? You know, I I was arguing with someone about this. They thought that uh, they were wondering why Monica is so obsessed with helping Wanda. And she has no reason, like, because she's been through something very similar very recently. Like, she just got snapped back into existence. Also, the walkthrough where she's splitting into different versions of herself um, from Wanda's world and our world. And she's hearing the words from Captain. I've waited 39 years for her to be on screen and have powers. Mm. Well, not 39 years. I don't remember that far back, but, <laughs> but <laughs> quite a long time. 
So they did it perfectly, in my opinion. I, I know that we were talking about earlier whether or not she should have gotten them this way. I'm just happy she has them. Yeah, it seems to me like, um, yeah, like, of course she's, I mean, again, it's like it speaks to Monica's character, but it also is is very much keeping in with, like, you know, the theme of different, like, how different people grieve. I'm like, Wanda is Monica's mission. Like, she is, you know, this is something where, you know, uh, Avengers all classically are, like, very mission-focused and, like, they kind of jump to the next thing. Um, and they kind of become all consumed with with that thing. And so I think this is absolutely uh, going to be really exciting to see, obviously, her. I mean, we'll get to that at the end, but her kind of face so off. So what you're that. saying is Wanda is Monica's hyperfixation to get through <laughs> her depression. Exactly. Okay, wow. I'm seeing myself a lot in this story now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Hello, welcome to having a podcast during a pandemic. Yeah. It's like it's like here's like here's two women dealing with grief and 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 mental you know mental health stuff, and like here's one person's probably unhealthy coping mechanisms way, and then here's someone's more healthy coping mechanisms way. Because like well, obviously Monica has a lot more awareness of like I'm doing this because of this, and this is helping me to blah blah blah. She has a lot more like self awareness there. And also the yeah. lines they chose to pick from Captain Marvel and this show, it just sums up everything so perfectly, perfectly. Uh, initially, it's a uh, Maria scared. Maria's going to leave. Maria doesn't want to leave. Uh, no, no, I can't. I can't leave Monica. Monica's like, you know, I'm going to be all right. And Maria's like, no, I'm not going to leave. And that's her being hesitant to go through. But she's still pushing through. And then it was young Monica. Mom, maybe I could fly up and meet you halfway. And then Fury's like, only if you learn to glow like your Aunt Carol. And so <laughs> she keeps pushing through. Dr. Harley tells her, your mom, she died, honey. And then finally, Carol says, your mom's lucky. When they were handing out kids, they gave her the toughest one. And she finishes. That was the bit that did make me tear up. When that, that's I just, where it all comes together and she finally breaks through. Just hearing Justin in his beautiful voice read those lines. <laughs> <laughs> Storyteller voice, yeah. Like, oh. I'm like, that is what happened, yes. As I'm like emotional. <laughs> you mean it would not have had the same impact if I had said it in my nasally, also like vocal fry? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, I think that that was such a good hero. I love a good hero moment. Um, I've been thinking about it a lot lately, how heroes, I was talking to a friend who like, didn't love the Avengers part of the Marvel stuff, but he liked a lot of the surrounding, like he liked Black Panther and Captain Marvel, but not like the Avengers stuff. Cause he found Tony Stark and Captain America, like not interesting. Yeah. And I was saying that the reason for me, heroes like this, that are like very much like pure and good. I feel like Marvel focused so much on like the Tony Stark and the Peter Quill and Ant-Man who I enjoy, but are like the like asshole ones who are like mm-hmm. cracking jokes, not taking anything seriously. I think heroes like this are very important in, within those stories as well, because if everyone's a jokey asshole, then like, hey, we're not taking anything seriously. I need a character who is like taking the saving of people seriously and like genuinely is doing it because they're a good person, not just because like they're a rich, smart person so they can create something to save people. Um, I think this kind of story is very, while it used to be more the norm, it isn't quite as much with um, stuff we've gotten in the MCU, which isn't a knock. It just is what it is. 
Um, that's why I think people like Captain America and Black Panther and like Monica Rambeau are like important to this universe because they are people that we can, they're characters that we can watch and rely that they do want what's best. There's no like, there's no shady deal going on behind the scenes or whatever. We're not going to learn the character sold all these weapons or whatever, like Tony Stark did. Right. Um, and I, I don't know. I just think characters like that aren't as common these days. So I really appreciate seeing them and hearing her have those like background voices as she presses through. I think I was wondering what the drama was with Carol. And I think it's that it's like her, her, her aunt, like you said, or her other mom that just kind of left and I think right. that's probably her beef with Carol because Carol was like another mother to her. Carol was like a hero to her, just like her mom was. And I think it's like, oh, my mom died and Carol left. And she probably hasn't heard from Carol in a while, but Carol meant a lot to her back then. And I could see that being both a means of getting you to your hero moment, but you still feel some kind of shitty way about this person who was also your hero, right? Oh, if I yeah. haven't heard from like an old friend in a few months, I'm like, and I hear their name again, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> I was thinking about it, like my dad was a pilot, and he was never around for a lot of stuff that went on in my life, but mm -hmm. I get what he was doing. Like sort of Carol has to help fly out and protect the whole galaxy. Right. But right. maybe right now, because I lost my mom and I've been gone for years and I'm disoriented, I want her here. But she's not. Yeah. So it's like I can be angry with her, but I also have no somewhere inside that she's just doing what she has to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like the nuance <clears throat> there. Like that's that's the kind of shit I like. Um right. because we as the audience know that Carol is doing, you're right. Like we do know that she is saving the universe. What she's doing is important, blah, blah, blah. But also you can understand being like, Yeah, but I'm hurt and I needed like a family member to be there for me emotionally. And yeah. she wasn't. So like she has every reason to be, you know, sour about Carol. Um, and a thing that I love is that she, as soon as she passes through that, the hex, she takes off that like astronaut outfit and she's running. She's just running to Wanda's house. She's like, and she's like well, seeing the matrix. She's like, she's seeing yeah, the, yeah. 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 Which I think is going to come into play in the, in this grand finale. I think that power of hers is going to help us take down whoever is doing this to one hundred. Yeah. Um, another I, speaking of good folks, we, must not leave off little Jimmy Wu, who was so sad and upset that uh, she was running into the hex, and now he has no friends on the other side. He's I'm really very bad. worried about his besties because he did. I know they all went inside. He wants to go in. Yeah. <laughs> all of his friends are, you know, losing themselves in a TV show, and Jimmy Wu is just like, guys, stop! No, stay in reality. <laughs> I love seeing him just get emotionally invested. After, I mean, after like, I mean, he was really great in Ant Man and the Wasp, but. You know, a little more of like a kind of side antagonistic kind of person, but yeah. like seeing him get emotionally invested in this and having to be so pure is wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So we we cut back to Darcy and Vision. They're in their truck. I the Vision confessionals are really funny. I think they're like really good, and I like that we don't really get an explanation for them. It's he's outside the the truck is <laughs> parked. Driving. Out but like that's how they do it in those sitcoms. So sure, I'm yeah. like willing to buy it. I like that they're being they're hitting every red light, and Darcy's like, there are a lot of red lights out here. And Vision kind of starts like putting shit together. Um, we get we cut back to Monica running. She's running into Wanda's house. Uh, we get our confrontation that we've been waiting for. Uh, I think 
I, I this I was so surprised it was coming this early. I thought we weren't. I thought this was going to be like the big episode nine moment. Oh really? I was like, oh, they're going to do this whole impassioned speech with Monica being like, you have to be able to grieve and blah blah blah, and that's what's going to bring Wanda down. So now that they got that out of the way, I'm like, fuck, how are they going to bring Wanda back down to Earth? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think this was important to do early because I think also like it was definitely a sign that it's like, all right, we're we're wrapping this up. Um, Mm -hmm. we're heading towards some resolution because I think, I mean, there could even be, unless episode eight is a hundred percent Agatha all along. Um, and then nine (laughs) is the confrontation, um, which could very well be. Um, but, uh, like, yeah, I think they're, they're going to need room for like Coda in this because we're not going to see Wanda again for a while. Or any of them for a while, so I think that's going to be something that's like going to be super because I'm like really not going to be okay not seeing Wanda or Monica until like the end of 2022. It's going to be very interesting. See, I I think that this was like Wanda and her were having their confrontation, but I think now that they've gotten that out of the way and Wanda does know, like after whatever that reveal was at the end. I think now it's like, oh, they can fight side by side. And it's like, she will help Wanda. I think Vision and Darcy will arrive there. Darcy will know. Darcy will be able to figure out, do the like thing where she's like figuring out how they fix the problem while Vision, Monica, and Wanda are fighting side by side against Agnes and whoever else is there. I think there's going to be like way too much um, exposition flying around and confrontation flying around uh, mm-hmm. to have done this scene between... Um, Wanda and Monica, like, later on. I also like how antagonistic Wanda is here. Um, Well, I say I like it. I mean, I I appreciate uh, what they're doing with it. It's like, given that this entire series has been her, you know, fabricating this sort of idealized American suburban life, and in this episode, in the mid-2010s, this is a white woman physically threatening the black woman on her lawn. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I was wondering, I I, I don't know, I don't know. Um, That's deep. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do, I do like. I mean, we would get uh, episodes of Buffy like this too. Like I was thinking of the episode Selfless, where Buffy is kind of poised as the villain because we don't want Anya to die, mm-hmm. um, and I almost think like that's what we're doing here, which I do like. That we're like that we are poising her as the villain like of this confrontation. Wanda is the one that's wrong, right? Like the moment Monica is like talking about Vision and Hayward, all all Wanda says is, "I don't want to talk about that right now," and shoots mm-hmm. her out of her house. Like she doesn't even address that you are correct or you are trying to help. She's just like, "I don't want to talk about it." So she like shoots her out of the house. Um, and I I kind of like that. It's like. We're, we're, Wanda is in the wrong. We know that as the audience. We know that uh, we know that Monica wants to help her, but Wanda just doesn't. She doesn't want to even talk about the fact that something's going on. Even though we have seen Wanda, this episode is the most she's been aware that something's wrong. It almost feels like in this scene, I could almost feel like the story was switching protagonists in this scene. Yeah. Like we were kind mm-hmm. of officially following Monica as the protagonist and um, potentially Wanda as not just the antagonist, but you know some other kind of player in that dichotomy. Because it felt like, okay, great, we're this is this is the person who's really like in charge of the story now. 
I, I do like that we get the bit of all the neighbors just like stopping. They're like, oh shit. And like we we get a scene of our beautiful Dottie, but she's just sniffing a flower and stopping to look. <laughs> God. Yeah. I, I, the dis- check for that five second scene. You know what? We love to see it, but the disrespect to have Emma Caulfield have a two second scene where she just looks and doesn't have a line. Ugh. Um, she was, they were, they were telling everybody, Hey, do like, do um modern day suburban cosplay. And then she was like, great. I'm going to do desperate housewives. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do wonder if we're going to see the B side of that scene from the neighbor's perspective uh, in the next episode, because it does seem like we set up a couple of key characters in the scene, Dottie being one, but also the mailman. Mm, like, we've I'm seen a lot. very curious about this mailman. We are so linked on that because I was wondering, because we are seeing that mailman a lot, but also in episode mm-hmm. two. Um, like, Don't kill the messenger. Rur, and she's like, stick them up. They have like a little flirty something. There's a little mm-hmm. winky. There's something. There's something. Maybe I'm just completely. Is he Ralph? Well, well, did you notice what was on his hat in this episode? Yes. The bunny rabbit. And then his, so uh, is, his shirt said, Press is, he the, is he the bunny? Oh my God. Is he, is he the bunny? Is he Mr. Scratchy? <laughs> is he like um, some sort of uh, like. Uh, familiar who is like running around uh checking on people on her on her behalf my current (laughs) theory is that he is whoever owned the house next door to wanda and visions because we did see we will see agatha you know fly in to kind of start manipulating the situation did she go into this house turn this man into a bunny and is like this is my life now Mm. Mm. wait no because i i I feel like in episode two he was in the same scene as Senior Scratchy because she was like standing outside Wanda's house. Yeah, she was uh, hmm. Okay. I didn't uh, know Wonka's okay. theory that uh, Senior Scratchy is uh, Doctor Strange. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you know what? Maybe. Maybe. I'm not going to rule it out. It could be. It could be. It's been a lot of time. Because what's the, what's the thing with the timing of. Um, so Far From Home takes place technically timeline after this. And that's yeah, true. This and is they, like Spider Man asking, like, like he's he's rolling off names, and he's like, "Can Doctor Strange?" And he's like, "Occupied or something." I'm wondering if we're like gonna get a like. Here's what Doctor Strange was up to at that point. He was a bunny. <laughs> he was a bunny. Oh no! Which we will then get. Uh, but so I mean, Justin, it was your intro. I do. I like that we get a Monica who does get pissed off at Wanda too. Like she's like, I am just trying to help you asshole. Cause <laughs> she gets very like the only lies I told were the ones you, you put in my mouth. mouth. Yeah. You know, the thing about this scene is, you know, I, I get why Wanda picked her up and flung her out of the house. She said it herself, the drones, the missiles, Pietro, she thinks right. they're all because of them. And sh- there's right. no way she would know otherwise, but Monica in her infinite wisdom. Well, actually, you know, when, uh, <laughs> when she tries to slam her down into the ground, when uh, Wanda tries to slam her down onto the concrete and she stops herself with her bone powers, uh, Monica does. You can see the look on uh, Wanda's face that she's like, oh, okay, maybe there's something yeah. going on here. Like that, yeah, recognize that, Wanda. Don't be hurting her. Mess, you know? <laughs> she, that was her, uh, <laughs> speaking of like other family sitcoms, that was her, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just, um, yeah, and we immediately get Agnes looking out her window, and Agnes needs to 
the thing I'm wondering is, does Agnes, like, does Agnes know who Monica is? Does she know what sword is? Does she know they're camped out? Or is she kind of just like, is Agatha more like this villain that like, those are just annoyances. They're like mosquitoes to her. Like the sword base isn't a threat. They're just annoying humans that are maybe like interfering sometimes. Or is she like, oh shit, these are the people I've been avoiding. I've been trying to cover up. You know, I'm wondering which it is because realistically, Agatha probably could like boot any of these humans out of that, out of Westview as well. I right. Think. Mm-hmm. I think she's keeping her eye on the prize. I think there is some alt, I think there's some reason that she's doing everything probably involving the mm-hmm. twins, probably involving, it's probably not involving vision. Um, that's probably swords bag. Um, but I think definitely like I've been, I mean, she's like, I've heard she's like 10,000 years old. Is that like correct? Like she's yeah, like, like she's she old, right. she's like yeah. ancient beings. So I'm sure she's not worried about freaking U.S. director Hayward. <laughs> can't yeah, can't her, even her, get his her, team out of the hacks. Like so, yeah. Her goal is Wanda here, uh, and I think she was actually using the whole vision of it all to kind of exploit Wanda to get to this point of instability. But now that Vision is no longer needed, she doesn't fucking care. And it's kind of interesting that she takes Wanda to her house. You would think. You know, you have this big old spooky basement. You don't want the one woman who could, you know, create or destroy reality to go in here unless you have a plan for that. I think she's changing it up on the fly. I think she was approaching that because if Agatha is sort of overseeing the jumps in time, she's like, all right, well, we're at we're at a sitcom eras. Um, mm-hmm. So we're, we're, at, we're at the we're at modern day. And also, I think the arrival of, of Monica and a super powered Monica is sort of like all right there's a ticking clock on this let's okay Mm -hmm. now let's 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 go to the the third act of what i'm planning here yes so agnes comes out she wanda seems to be in a thrall once agnes comes out i think right was that it yeah she seemed like very easily led away and it was sort of like in i think because she's wearing that like oversized hoodie she never she does not look like a mother anymore she looks like a sort of teenage girl herself like being mm-hmm. led away by her mother. That was like the vibe. It's like, oh, come along, dear. Like, that's enough. Right. Um, and that was just made me think like, just before Monica barged into the house, she was taking the pills that were in the advert. Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, is the advertising in this little world, is that like uh, messages that Agnes is like sending to Wanda? Like, oh, here, take some pills. It'll, you know. Um, right. Or is it Wanda's subconscious trying to wake her up from this, saying, mm-hmm. "Girl, this is all the stuff that's going on. You got to snap out of it. You got to sugar snap out of it." <laughs> <laughs> Jail. Yeah. We come back to Vision, Darcy. I I just love that Darcy. Darcy is consistently also the audience, right? She's the audience reminding us of things that have happened. She's giving Vision the abridged. She's like, well, she killed you, but it didn't work. Well, save the universe, but you asked her to. But then she had to watch it happen again. She's doing a whole, like, Jonathan Van Ness, like, Gay of Thrones thing. Of, like, the whole MCU. It was like, so me describing get, it to, to my husband. <laughs> <laughs> we get uh, Vision in his last confessional, and I love that he's like, I just can't believe all that she went through. And then he gets this moment of, what the fuck am I doing? And he's like, I don't know why I'm here. I need to go save my wife. And he like slaps the boom mic out of his way and walks off. I love that he's taking off the stupid right? pinned mic to his lapel, whatever the fuck he <laughs> like, that This interview is over. <laughs> like, try to grab it off. 
it's such a good like because he's like this like silly caped superhero robot thing but he has the mic on not even clip anything yeah Yeah, it's just his like metallic (laughs) vibranium suit (laughs) so then he leaves darcy and he like goes through the truck because we know that's a thing he can do i feel like why didn't he couldn't he just like grab her hand i know right i don't know (laughs) she just left her (laughs) she seems like she'll be important later i think her knowledge her like science know-how i think will be pivotal to something at the end. Yeah. I think. And I'm sure she will show up at exactly the moment that the plot requires her to. <laughs> yeah, she'll probably be stuck there for a little bit and then she'll come in at the end. She's also like, on the road. Like that, we all agree that wasn't Wanda, that was Agnes, right? All those delays? Yeah, I, yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. I think one of you said this earlier, Vision, I, I, I again, I agree with it. I don't think Vision is on Agatha's board. It's like, he's more to get to Wanda, mm-hmm. but Agatha doesn't give a shit about Vision. That's like, Sword gives a shit about Vision, Agatha gives a shit about Wanda. And I also We're think, all doing our own thing. And I also think we're obviously seeing, like, I think the Hex was always part Wanda, part Agatha, and it was maybe 90-10 Wanda, Agatha, and then it's just slowly been more and more Agatha over time because, like, they're on the outskirts and they were super slowed down. I'm, I'm, I think someone said this before. Like, but now it's like, yeah, everyone's running around full energy, full talking, full, you know, full acting. Um, and, like, Wanda can't even control, like, the wallpaper in her house. So I think <laughs> like, probably Agatha's kind of sway right now. So we cut back to Wanda in Agnes's house, which is immediately, we saw it in the previous scene with Agatha and the kids, but we see more of like how creepy the house is. Like it's very, everything is very, everything else has been very era appropriate. This still, this looks like a witch's house, right? Like it just it's, does. Well, it's, it's not got the, that bright, colorful sitcom palette. It is dark in there. It was like right. the, 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 the drapes were drawn. Everything's very insular. And... You know, Zach, Zach and I, for our My Bloody Judy podcast that we do that talks about horror, that is part of Slayer Fest, um, we just watched uh, The People Under the Stairs, and I kept thinking of the house. Mm. Like, that very much, that's what Agnes's house looks like on the inside, is a house from People Under the Stairs. Yeah, like a Texas yeah. Chainsaw, even, kind of where it's like, something horrific is going to just very suddenly right. blurt out of the door at any minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and she sees she sees the, ro- the, she looks at the rabbit at Senor Scratchy, and then she sees that giant fucking cicada. Oh my god. <laughs> like, that was giving me full, like, Clarice in Buffalo Bill's house. Like, that was like... I think there, I think there was even like a moth in there too. Like it was just like it was just some <laughs> and like with the yoga magaba playing. I thought it was like very good at like subtly creepy because Wanda's like Wait a minute, something's off about this <laughs> yeah, house. Because, I'm sorry. Like aren't the boys meant to be like ten years old? And like Agatha being like a million years old is like oh yeah, ten year olds they watch this ridiculous gabba gabba shit, right? When that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> like that that detail alone was just so off-putting yeah yeah i and we you know we she looks and sees that like the sandwiches are kind of eaten and then she remembers oh my children are supposed to be in this house <laughs> right <laughs> but, but i you know i get it she was so fucking mad at monica that she's like wasn't thinking and then she's like oh wait a minute my children are in this room but they're not here where are they which agatha tells her oh go check on the basement which in a murder cellar Yes. Even before she gets to that spooky dungeon bit, there, like, there is a tarp with blood in Clearview right in front of her. That was a murder cellar, and she just carries on walking through it. 
like that was the thing. Like, I was like, I don't know if I would have kept. She had to really proceed through several right. hallways. <laughs> <laughs> and this this reminded me, Neil. I know you you and Philip both. I don't know, um, Justin. If you did you watch the Magicians, Justin? Of course. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. I couldn't remember. I, I I feel like there are like eight other gays I know that I have DM'd about the magicians and I can never keep track of like who those eight are because the rest of them <laughs> did not watch that show. But this felt very magicians to me where it's like, it, we're we're in a real house and then we're going downstairs to a basement where there's a cave that leads to a hallway that leads to like this grand Hillary. wizard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're literally headed to the throne room. Yeah, exactly. All that, That's like, what it reminded like, me of in a good way because I, I love it, right? I don't know if anybody uh, plays like purple, um, uh, if anybody plays uh, Breath of the Wild, but those purple vines were very, um, that like, oh, yeah, goo, that Breath of the Wild goo where it's like, ooh, you can't, evil, you can't, can't proceed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Adam, you'll appreciate this. This is where the aspect ratio changes a bit. I, I literally whispered, it's getting spooky <laughs> when this was happening. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, I can't believe she kept going because I was expecting to see like Mrs. Bates's like skeleton in a rocking chair. Like, there was just so many, <laughs> so much gnarly shit. She was like just walking past just to keep going. I would believe that this spooky dungeon exists in a house in Jersey. So like <laughs> the fact that she's not even questioning it, she's like, oh yeah, this is typical for the suburb of New Jersey. Yeah. I mean, Wait, Justin and I, I, I Justin <laughs> and I grew up in the suburbs of New Jersey. And yes, it would exist in one of those. <laughs> Yeah, I was cracking up as soon as he said it. So I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe um, this is what basements look like in Sokovia. We don't know. <laughs> also, well, so <laughs> so, the, the, so she sees that book that's like glowing that is clearly something to do with what's going mm-hmm. on. And I okay. see like eight different people post that when Doctor Strange looks at like yeah. whatever wall of books, there's one missing. Um, and how this could be that book. Also, they were saying that mm-hmm. like while Strange was snapped, like during the blip, like she could have gotten the book. Like she like yeah. could have been. There was no blip. one protecting yeah. our reality. Right. There was no one protecting our reality during that time. She actually could have come over from any number of different worlds in the multiverse to be like, Yeah, I want to take over this world. So um did a deep dive on what the because there's a, there's there's so many different like magic books. Um I know a mm-hmm. lot of people have been saying this Darkhold. But no, they're mm. also like the druid tome. People have been saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the druid text that um, gets delivered to Wanda very early on in the Wanda and the or the Vision of the Scarlet Witch comics that actually contains the demon or the the entity Samhain, which is the physical embodiment of Halloween. Um, I do know that because I am a Michael Myers movie fan. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> <laughs> I was but in I was the like, comics uh, let's get him let's i was like can we i was like who owns the rights to halloween can we get a multiverse uh dr loom to be like <laughs> he's trying to <laughs> he's like running through the hex right we need jamie lee curtis in the mcu stat get her in there <laughs> get, her, get a, a Donald pleasant like look-alike to just be running around in that overcoat brandishing a revolver going you gotta get agatha <laughs> so we get our reveal in comes agnes petting her bunny looking more chaotic her hair is a little bit more whatever um i like that she immediately she's still 
Agnes slash Agatha, but like has like a older lady tone to her when she's like, oh dear, so nice to finally meet you. And like is petting the rabbit, has like a very weird look on her face. She had like sitcom cute hair 20 seconds ago and then she's yeah. coming down. Like, <laughs> yes. Like- <laughs> she unbrushed her hair to come right out there. <laughs> You had to, that's yeah, not just yeah. pulling out the clip. Like, that's like you, she had to actively, like, be like, I'm gonna really fuck. It looks like she rubbed a balloon on her head, really. <laughs> well, we know Agatha loves a stunt. She's like, I'm gonna stick my fingers in this socket to get the look. And then I'm gonna go down. And then she, she says she's not the only magic gal in town, and then does a thing, and we get, like, the. Uh, this the greatest I moment love, of my life i love the idea of being like oh yes i'm the villain behind everything roll the clip <laughs> like just like <laughs> oh, okay, so- the audacity the nerve and the gumption to pull up to somebody else's sitcom with your own theme song and title sequence wore to a wool white to a wedding and then announced that you were pregnant during the speeches also, here's my thing. What I love about this is because it's every time I, I've rewatched the, the clip of Agatha along, I love imagining all of these like TV writer Marvel bro guys who are like, this is confusing. I'm not really connecting the dots here. It, I want answers. I want this and that. It's like, all right, we're going to make this as clear as fucking possible. <laughs> here's the song. There have been so many reviews that are like, Marvel, release your villain now. And it's like, fine. And here's a fun song to go along with it. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, this is... Yeah, this is... A twist. Like, this is the Ashman era. It was me. Mm-hmm. I also just... Uh, I don't think... Catherine Hahn was such a perfect choice for this role. I don't think another actor would have been able to pull off the like re- absolute ridiculousness of everything Agnes slash Agatha has been doing. Mm-hmm. And has such a good in that song. Yeah. Of like, it's just, I, Catherine Hahn knew exactly what role she was playing the moment she started on this show. And I just yeah. love that for her. The only other person who could have pulled this off is Judy Greer. But she's yeah. already in the <laughs> She's already on ex-wife. <laughs> yeah, ex-wife number six seven four four. So she can't be anything else. Oh, right. I always forget she is in the MCU. Uh, we okay, I showed I showed Michael the Ant-Man movies and and we liked him, but it was definitely like the whole time, every time Judy Grew came on screen, I was like, she should be in something something more to do. Like, I was also watching this right now, and her and Catherine Hanna both have, have had similar sort of best friend eras and i was just like yeah we really need we really need it to be like i want i was like digging up like is ant-man's ex-wife a character in the the comics barely (laughs) does she get a crazy power yeah so i also needed to tell everyone that literally when i woke up at 10 a.m on friday because that's when i wake up if i don't have work uh, literally just opening my phone, this whole thing was spoiled for me. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. It, it was, Agatha all along was trending on Twitter at like 1240 that morning yep. on the West Coast. And I'm like, you guys are fucking assholes. Right. Like, don't do that. Well, I just, and I'm not that crazy. I'm really not that intense about a spoiler. But like, mm-hmm. it just felt like, 
why do we need to like why are you already tweeting about this like, just... and it's like the, the, the fact that agnes is agatha hardly counts as a spoiler at, at this point because i feel like so many people had already just decided that that was that reveal was coming but it's the fact that mm. you know if you see agatha all along trending that saps the joy out of like the sheer panache with which it is delivered you know, mm-hmm. like there's no new information really. Like we kind of, you know, once you realize that Agnes is Agatha, you're like, okay, Agatha all along, great, okay. And then it's basically just illustrating that. But it's the 40 seconds of Catherine Hahn mugging to the camera that just sells it and makes it my new favorite thing. If not, yeah. I really wish that I had a dog so Catherine Hahn could kill it. No. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> no, that's no. Um, yeah, it was. It's funny. The spoiler stuff is funny because, like, because uh, Neil, I I mute you every Thursday night because I know you watch it at night. Oh wow! <laughs> I, I was like, all this, I was like, oh, this girl watches it way too late. I can't. No, I'm gonna. Yeah. So I. I just want everyone. To know, I will never tweet an actual spoiler for a show. I will just say I really love this, and then <laughs> no, just leave too, it at that. Too, too risky. Too risky. I <laughs> <laughs> a friend did get mad at me because I one Friday I was like. I love this so much. Tiana Paris and Catherine Hahn deserve Emmys. And I was like, but you can apply that to every episode. But so I stopped tweeting about. Like I was talking with my family about like this. I was like, I was like, yeah, they, we have to watch it so early. Cause like they spoil stuff on Twitter. And like, they were like, well on Friday mornings, why don't you just not go on Twitter? And I was like, you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a lot of strangers in my DMS. I was like, come DM me. So I don't have to talk about it on main. And I, I, yeah. 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 Also, like, and you'll get texted. Like, yes, I, uh, Shay, who is an angel sweetheart, text me a, fu- a fucking screenshot of Agatha <laughs> on the lawn with her wine with Pietro in the background. I was like, we need to talk about this. I was like, it's 11 a.m. I haven't watched it yet. Like, oh, no. And like, two different people tagged Slayer Fest in the Agnes, literally just the screenshot of the credits of Agatha all along. And I was like, man, can't like, it's the morning. Wah, wah. Right. We can wait till the night. <laughs> yeah. So I'm the new Secretary of Education, and I am declaring that we need three mandatory courses for everyone in high school. We need sex education. We need uh, here's how you do your taxes and uh, health insurance stuff. And here is how you handle watching a spoilery show with your friends. That's how I feel about Drag Race too. It's like it's my hatred for anyone who will tweet Drag Race spoilers on the East Coast applies to me tweeting about Wandavision immediately afterwards. I'm like, I ain't gonna say shit. I'm not gonna directly call out any single character from this episode for at least 24 hours because I'm not a jerk. Oh, <laughs> Neil, what a guy! <laughs> yeah, but I think you do need like a time zone in which it's like, okay, now you can start making your content. Ex- exactly. I my my general rule: forty eight hours. I will not post oh, anything. I won't even say Agatha all along on Twitter for forty eight hours. I would what? say twenty four hours if you were putting a hashtag, because then that is people's responsibility to mute the hashtag. Yes, that's always. I, I agree. I agree, and I always, yeah, I always make sure to hashtag just in case. So. I also got a call that like I not only do I love this bit of the theme song, I love seeing where Agnes or Agatha fit in, but god damn it, Catherine Hahn does such a good witch cackle. Like <laughs> it was such a cool but perfect note to end on of her just fucking fucking cackling and like having a good time. Like I like seeing this villain who's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna have a lot of fun destroying this woman's life. Like <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's the kind of villain that I that's the villain that can say like faggot right like, uh, yeah uh, <laughs> yes 
Um, yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's a great like permission slip to have these extra stylized tones that the show has had, because like, you can't really see any other like MCU villain coming close to like, okay, now like cackle, like fucking wicked witch to the West. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, make it more cartoony. No, like, keep going. Even it louder. Like, like even like honestly, even like growing up watching like Wizard of Oz, I was like, God, do you think like after like they yelled cut, like the actress by the Wicked Witch was just like, is that too much? Like, should I like roll it back? Like, <laughs> <it's> big. <laughs> I know. Because like, my notes after this bit, I have the Wicked Witch of Westview. Like, I just love. Uh, and your little dog too it's just like it's so cruel it's the perfect capper and then cutting straight from that to please stand by I screamed I screamed it was rude as hell yes I I like even though I knew that it was a a 30 minute episode it's still that felt this episode felt so short I think because there was so much so much happening it was all enjoyable like when it went to those credits I was like wait but we just got to the middle of the episode and it was like oh no this has been 30 minutes like who started that rumor that these were all going to be an hour at the end? I know. So that's a great question. I, I, I know where it stems from. It stems from an interview with Kevin Feige saying that WandaVision in total is six hours of content. And then people kind of did the math backwards and they were like, oh, well, that means these last three episodes are an hour each because we've only gotten three hours worth of content. Interesting. Is he Which makes sense. Count those seven those- minutes of credits, though. No, I think it did. I honestly do think it did. (laughs) Sorry to everybody in those credits, but... Well, I will say, everyone was tossing that image around, and I was like, this is not a Marvel image. I do not believe any of this. Yeah. Because and anytime someone's like, people are retweeting something that doesn't have a link, I'm Mm -hmm. like, nope, this is bullshit. Like, I got... And so I just... I kept seeing that, and it was the same... Jennifer Lawrence hasn't been cast, you mean? Oh my god. The WandaVision (laughs) group has been going wild about Jennifer Lawrence being cast. (laughs) And I'm like, this is someone's YouTube channel. They're just saying shit. (laughs) Do you really think she touched this after everything she did to get out of X-Men? She did not want to be in that. She did not want to be in a superhero franchise. She She wants to be be playing 51-year-old women. from like That's what she wants to be doing right now. She wants (laughs) to be be Joy 2. Right. So we get our our first mid-credit scene, uh, which is Monica sneaking around the house. She opens... What the hell do they call those? Those storm cellar door. Storm, 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 storm cellar. They're storms. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. Um, but she but she can see the purple because when we saw her come through the hatch, she can see. I think it was Justin. He said it's like the Matrix. She can see all that shit. So mm-hmm. she's seeing the, the purple. Quicksilver approaches her. Says Snoop. Snooper's gonna snoop. And I'm. I can't tell if when she turns to him, her eyes are more purple than they were blue. And it's that she saw the energy that was the purple energy on those vines. I can't tell if that means she's under Agatha's thrall um, or if that just means that she's matching the power. I have a, a something I noticed during Agatha all along. Like, I'm not sure what mm-hmm. everyone decided they thought Pietro was. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a uh, she's on the grass having her, of course, lawn wine. And she's controlling Pietro as he's talking to Wanda at the door. But if he were working with her directly, why would she need to control him? I don't think he's working with her directly. I think she pulled him from the multiverse. That's to what manip- I think. Yeah. So when he walks up to uh, Wanda, I'm not Wanda, uh, Monica at the end, and he says, Snooper's gonna snoop. I think he's mm-hmm. snooping around himself. Mm-hmm. And he sees oh, that yeah. she is too. Yeah, I would hope. I feel like he 
Sorry. under the thrall and it's going to be like frog marching her downstairs into the cellar and there's going to be a big like well 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 kind of everyone's all here kind of confrontation moment hmm interesting because i i definitely definitely do think the same thing i think that pietro she maybe she's from that multiverse but she pulled him and then she was controlling him but mm-hmm. i think he is a real yeah because the sirens in the sword camp blared when pietro arrived when like either right before or right after Darcy says she recast Pietro, we hear the siren is going off. Mm-hmm. So we know something breached the hex. So I feel like that was Agatha pulling him from the multiverse to be here. And then, yeah, she's just controlling him with her power. And she I, got the wrong one. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, don't, I don't think she got the wrong one. I just think that within the multiverse, well, you, we all know that, you know, you can't restore life is kind of what the one of the theses of the show is, is that you can't bring the dead back. I think Agatha knowing that was like, fuck, I can't bring her actual brother back. I have to bring a version of Pietro um, if I want to, you know, instill all these memories in him and try to trick her. Because there is that sort of cosmic familiarity with uh, the two twins where she's like, I do recognize that you are a Pietro, but I don't recognize that you were my Pietro. But because she's in this confused state, she's able to be like, well, I guess I can rationalize it because things are so weird here. Right. I think Okay. I just I think we're gonna get like I think it's gonna be I think Wanda and Pietro are going to be momentarily enthralled with uh with Agatha and then it's gonna be basically mm-hmm. Monica and Vision showing up and they're gonna be the only ones kind of resisting it. Yeah. I do have a I do have this moment in my heart that I wanna see where, you know, Wanda is talking to Pietro after all this is over and she's like, if you wanna stay in our reality, you can and he point blank says no, this is not my world. I will never be here again. Basically just cutting off. We're never bringing the X-Men back into this universe. That franchise is dead. Move on, people. See, I want him to stay because I want them to have a Quicksilver in this universe. No, no, I, I, think, I, think, I think Neil's right. Pietro died on the way back to his home planet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, think, I think our version of Pietro is going to be a teenage speed. Right. That's, I mean, that, I think they're aging those characters up and they're friend. Here's another thing. We're at the end. What does everybody think happened to those twins? Oh, they did. Baby hands. Baby hands. Baby hands. <laughs> I, I, I think she maybe not ate them, but yes, I think she did something to them. So they're like, well, in, so in the comics with this druid text, um, it's basically Samheim's way to trick Wanda into opening the book so that he can be. Uh, you know, uh, uh, like a spirit in this world. And what he tries to do is he tries to put his essence into the unborn fetus that she is currently carrying. Because at that point, we didn't know it was twins. We thought it was just one baby because he wanted to be birthed into our world so he could take over. I think this is kind of a glory situation that we have on our hands where Agatha is trying to get the twins to maybe use their life force, energy, whatever, to create a body for whoever she worships to bring them into this world to then either get back to her home world or to take over this world. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely I feel like we're done with the kids right now, but I just, it also feels like, so, I mean, I, I'm working on this theory. I've been talking to Ian about it where I think like, I think that, yeah, probably the kids are done here and maybe Dr. Strange two is partly like her arc is a kind of quest to find them again within the multiverse. I think, yeah, I, I'm very much in that same camp, too, yeah, where either she's on a quest to find them or she comes across them within the multiverse and is like, 
You're my baby. Right. And they're like, what? Crazy lady? Because, like, and I just, and I would really prefer her, like, more actively doing this than showing a nut. Because I guess the other thing is, like, we've already seen her so traumatized. And then to be like, your kids, they didn't exist. Like, then they're done and, you know, whatever. Like, they're dead. And, and have that mm-hmm. and have it be another thing to avenge. I don't know. I feel like having at least ending this on <laughs> I would just really hope that you know if they're if they're gone, the whole like season ends with Doctor Strange basically coming back and just being like, "Don't worry, they're alive. They're in the multiverse this way." Like, <laughs> well, my, my my whole thing with Pietro two being a Pietro from another world that was brought into ours, I don't think she can create life either from scratch. I think these are versions of Wanda babies that exist within the multiverse that she pulled into ours. So when they get sent back to their respective planets, they're going to be or not planet's realities they'll be aged up to their appropriate age now hmm. all right well. so that's one thing yeah because i was like if we're doing a modern family episode like you know that show's been on so long that pretty much every kid ended up being either a teenager or a 20 something but the kids are still like mm-hmm. 10 or 11 and i was like when are we gonna get our like 20 year old hot gays <laughs> Also, that was a nightmare in the WandaVision Facebook group. Uh, someone posted how like happy they were that we were finally getting LGBTQ uh, rep in the Marvel Universe. And, oh boy, there were so many incel dudes that were like, oh, you're sexualizing children. You want them to be gay. And it's like, dummy, send a fucking comment. <laughs> I'm fucking these fucking guys. But yeah, so that was a nightmare. Um, now that we're at the end of the episode, a uh, favorite outfit, Neil. Uh, the favorite outfit is going to be whatever Agatha flies in on. You get a hint of it before her outfit changes to that 1950s, 60 look that we first saw her in. You see like the tattered uh, remains of her long, flowy purple dress. I want to see that full costume. That's good. That is my favorite outfit of this episode, and it's going to be my favorite of the series. Yeah, her full <laughs> Anderson sister's <laughs> outfit, whatever she's got on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin, what's your favorite outfit? Uh, Monica wearing her sword outfit, which is sort of yeah. similar to her costume. <laughs> sort of. In that Marvel getting way. there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Philip? Uh, so I'm torn uh, between Darcy's thick and juicy escape artist outfit and... Um, the very simple but very cute um, suburban modern family Agatha uh, purple sweater with a little blousey collar, and the mm-hmm. thing it's like it's like it's so perfectly modern family like it's it's so very much that show that aesthetic. But I was like, I would wear that. <laughs> uh, Adam, depression jammies. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is Neil. Love you so much because I have the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, I literally saw that and gasped and then I realized a song was happening and I was like, we'll revisit this in a second. I have a musical <laughs> number to get to. Because like even the like, because it, it's like purple and black and it looks like maybe there's a little bit of green and like, I'm going to love it. I know I'll love it. I already love it. And I love that it has like, there's just like the powers are just like purple smoke flying around her. I it's great. There's going to be a Funko. She's straight out of Haunted Mansion holiday. Like she's going to be great. I've just been so worried that this show wasn't going to be weird enough. Like, that was my initial thought going into this. And I'm like, oh, they're going to rely on the sitcom of it all to be, like, the weird, quirky part of the MCU. But that was about it. I thought we were going to get, you know, just, like, a typical big bad, go against sword, blah, blah, blah. It's nice to see that they're like, no, we're going full magic and just, like, musical moments now. And it's like, (laughs) this show just lives so specifically in my brain. 
every time Adam and I talk about the show, we both always say like, well, this will probably happen, but maybe not because we've been wrong every turn of the show. (laughs) You're going to like, you can like probably listen, once this is all done, you can listen to all the Slayer Fest episodes and just watch me be very loudly wrong episode episode. (laughs) without being like, they're not doing the twins. Stop it. They're all deluded. Uh, favorite scene, Philip? Um, so just, be, well, I mean, for its sheer camp value and also because I've kind, of, I've kind of been holding out for a musical episode because this has been like a trip through, you know, TV history and I don't think we're going to get one now. I think we're at the end of the sitcom run and it's going to be pure MCU. But what a way to end that run with Agatha all a fucking long. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's my favorite scene of television like this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam? I mean, besides that one, I would say definitely the the entire discovery of the basement sequence is just, mm-hmm. I was, I didn't realize how much I had been like really wanting some just like good scary shit. And that was some like scary shit. Like that was like a good old yeah. classic haunted house, creepy basement. Let's explore it. There were so many different clues and things on the walls and vines and books and glow. And this, there was just so much detail to look at. It was great. Uh, Neil? I mean, the basement and the song reveal were both kind of uh, big moments for me. But I do love just like the sheer absurdity of Vision and Darcy in this ice cream truck just bantering. And, and not just for one scene, for several scenes. Um, but I think I think the moment that really sold it for me was when Darcy said, I've been watching WandaVision all week. And I was like, girl, same. <laughs> uh, Justin? You, you know I was going to pick something Monica-centric, right? That's <laughs> my whole thing. I'm going to say her pushing through the barrier. That was just such a nice sequence. I loved it. See, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Philip and Adam, to betray both of you. This is why I love Neil and Justin so much, because both of your answers are also my answer. <laughs> my number one is Agatha all along, because duh, but yeah. then a very close second is Monica pushing through that fucking hex and the Darcy and Vision scenes, right. because I think all this episode is my favorite one by far for a reason, because all of it is so good. And those scenes... Division and Darcy scenes like really feel like modern family arrested development episodes, yeah. but like in the MCU and the Monica shit is such good hero moments. But then the Agatha all along moment is like ridiculous villain camp, which I love. It's really unfair sort of bracketing on this because like this episode's all the moments were better than maybe any other of the best moments in the other episode. Like it just keeps leveling and that's not even to like, shit on the other episodes like it's literally just leveling up in such a very intense good way yeah yeah uh grade adam a triple play i don't know this is fucking top top (laughs) uh justin a plus philip uh yeah i don't know how but this show is getting better and better every week so it's it's gonna be an a plus 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 neil I'm going to give it an A- minus for the sheer fact that I wanted it to go on for 30 more minutes. Yes. <laughs> I was like, that no, is, don't leave me there. That is fair. Don't, I give it an A+. Don't plus. leave me in my own reality. Don't let me go back to all of this. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you all for joining us. Thank you all for listening. 
If you like Slayerfest 98, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can find us on social media at SlayerFestX98. You can support us on Patreon, which helps keep the podcast going um, and get gives you access to mini episodes, our Facebook group, and more. If you want to follow me on social, I am at Carlos. Justin, where can everyone find you? Justin-centric on Twitter. And Neil, where can everyone find you? Uh, at Neil underscore McNeil on Twitter. And Philip? I'm at Philip underscore Ellis. That's Philip with one L, Ellis with two on Twitter. And Adam? I'm the Adam Sass on Twitter, and you can buy my debut novel, Surrender Your Sons, wherever you buy your books. We'll see you all next time. Bye. 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 And I killed Sparky, too. Bye.